0: hello and a welcome to 21st century vitalism a podcast asking the question what does it mean to be fully alive in the 21st century i'm your host brett kane i'm a body worker and mindfulness meditation instructor and my goal with this show is to expand the conversation of wellness to go beyond simply taking care of the mind, body, and spirit, but to also include taking care of our environment and how to successfully orient ourselves in a sustainable way that honors all of the systems that we're engaged with. In order to help us understand this idea, today I'm bringing on the legendary Ill Gates, who is an electronic music producer in the west coast bass scene who has been prevalent for well over a decade. He's collaborated with pretty much everybody at this point. He's ubiquitous in most music scenes Uh, and I really mean he is a legend and what I wanted to do was bring him on and talk about one of his primary systems and offerings to the world which is called the Ill Methodology and what this is is a system that If you follow it, you can get into a deeper sense of creative flow and actually start to transform your art to be more than just a hobby, but actually your career and profession. So something that a lot of creative types know who are trying to break into the scene is that sometimes you can get kind of caught into some really sticky places where your creative output is kind of coming out like mud rather than water. Uh, We kind of get really stuck in ourselves, and it can be really hard to get out of this. This plagues uh, not just creatives, but entrepreneurs, uh, people who, like me, have a practice, you know, with my massage practice. Every now and again, there can be things that get in the way of that from being a really smooth process. And the Eel Methodology is something that, while we're using it in the lens of electronic music production, which is a very specific thing, I frankly think a lot of the things that he talked about and compiled into the system can really be applied to anything in life. And it really helped me find my creative voice, uh, and it's actually, a lot of it still plays into how I produce this podcast, um, how I stay in my own creative flow with my own life, and um, unfoldings, if you will. So he's been an inspiration to me for a really long time, honestly. I've been a part of his uh, teaching community, uh, the producer Dojo, and it really helped me really just enjoy music, how to both take it seriously and also not get caught in the minutia of it. Um, it it's a really powerful system and it brings in a lot of stuff uh, from psychology, um, behavior hacks, um, kind of like body hack stuff. Uh, it's really cool and it's really intuitive and he's been teaching it for a long time and like i said he is an excellent uh, artist Uh, he has played shows all across the world at this point Um, he has a worldwide fan base and he started uh, what was called the producer dojo which is an online teaching community and record label filled with people who um get constant uh education from him and his uh fellow teachers that he's brought into the fold. And honestly some of the music that's coming out of there is really next level and I really suggest checking that out over at producerdojo.com. He also does a thing called the weekly download, which is a weekly video that he releases on a new topic of um, electronic music production so if you are in if at all interested in making electronic music which frankly if you're a musician you should probably incorporate some of it because it's really useful for like all genres um, but even if you're just into Anything, You know, even if you're a painter or poet, I think this episode is going to have a lot for you. Plus, he's got a lot of interesting stories. I mean, having been involved in the electronic music scene for as long as he has, he's definitely been around the block enough to have a lot of interesting perspectives on things that I think, yeah, everyone can benefit from. Uh, Not only do we talk uh, extensively about the the ill methodology, we also talk about his time with COVID, how he got his foot in the door with being a successful producer, uh, DJ, um, what it's like for him to have just started a family and be looking at the prospect of touring again, how he maintains his creative flow while on the road his new ill plates, which is a kind of like a food blog that he's doing through his main platform. But yeah, he's pumping out some really delicious looking food. And he's talking about making a cookbook. So we talk about just a lot of the stuff, what it was like to start the producer dojo, what his goals are with that. One of my uh, favorite parts of this is talking about style and how to develop your own sense of style and some of like the blocks that people are facing when they're doing that so that's kind of the feel and flavor of this I mean big part of this was like I've just been a fan for a while and I liked the way that he taught so I figured I would introduce uh, him to my listeners and y'all to him so that's what we're going to be doing today guys I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed doing it If you want to support the show, head on over to 21stCenturyVitalism.com. We got a new website if you haven't seen it yet, all the prior episodes, really nice, flashy. The wizards over at Squarespace really, really have a powerful tool over there. This isn't an ad. Um, But we also started a Patreon if you want to support the show directly uh, with financial. Um, The rewards I'm going to be going live with probably in the fall. Life is just really busy right now for me if I'm being honest with you. But I wanted to create a little bit of uh, opportunity for reciprocity. If you are getting value from this show uh, by being an early supporter, you're going to help me be able to invest more time into it. I know we're down to the biweekly right now, but again, in the fall when I have a little bit more time, I'm going to be going back in and doing the full weekly episode release schedule. Um, if you don't want to support financially, that's totally cool. All the episodes are free for right now. Um, I'll be having bonus episodes in the future, but that's for the future. Um, but if you want to support, honestly, the what is gold, what might even be more helpful right now than giving me money is giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Boosting those numbers up is seriously so beneficial. Um, subscribing on YouTube, liking on Facebook, following us on Instagram, any sort of engagement on these social platforms is going to be really helpful in these kind of beginning stages of what I'm trying to do here. It helps me get... Uh, more renowned guests, more experts in their fields. Um, I have some people that are on hold that are just like, yo, if you get a little bit more listeners, we'll come on. And I have some amazing people that are actually already agreeing to come on. And yeah, the show is definitely getting momentum. I know the pulling back might seem otherwise. But we got some good people coming friends i got some good people coming and they have some beautiful lessons and wisdom to share so again this is just the beginning and uh, Il gates is definitely another good omen of things to come so if you want to follow him uh he's on pretty much every streaming platform at this point he's got soundcloud spotify Uh, He's got Facebook, Instagram, all the socials. Uh, He's all over YouTube. Uh, But also check out theproducerdojo.com if you want some of that education. If you're interested in starting your uh, electronic music career, I really suggest starting there. His his teaching style, he will get you plugged into Ableton in a really quick and effective way. And it's going to be fun. That's the most important thing is you're going to have fun doing it. Uh, Also illgates.com if you want to keep up to date on all his music. He's constantly got a stream of music coming out that's all really quality, really funky, really fresh. And that is also including the song that you heard in the intro, that's called Let's Go. I believe that actually just came out on the 29th, so check that out over on SoundCloud as well. As you can hear, it's pretty fire. And uh, thank you again for listening, so open your hearts, drink some tea, do some stretches, and welcome the legendary Gates to the show. Ready, let's go. just a and the and we run. You have to keep going you will get All All right, Bill Gates, hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism. How are you today?
1: Uh, I'm feeling pretty vital, come to think of it. I'm feeling pretty vital and uh, I'm definitely feeling very 21st Century. So I think this is the exact podcast that I should be on. Yes,
0: I appreciate it. That might be one of the most, the best answers I've gotten. That's definitely most on the money. So I just want to start off by saying thanks for giving me some of your time. You have so much stuff on your plate right now, and that's not a pun to your new cooking uh, offerings that you're giving out to people. Um, Yeah, hashtag ill plates. Check it out. Check it out. Been cooking up a storm, baby. Yeah, how long have you been doing the cooking thing?
1: Um, Well, I started cooking uh, out of necessity um, because I for a long time was uh, vegan. And uh, I was in a breakdance crew. And I, before I was a vegan, I used to eat meat and smoke cigarettes and drink all the time. It was very unhealthy. And then I ended up in this breakdance crew. And all the other dudes in the breakdance crew were these, like, super edgelord vegan bros. And they would always make fun of me um, for, uh, for my unhealthy lifestyle. And I was just like, "Yo, whatever. I could do that if I wanted to, you know. And then uh, one New Year's, we all had this bet. And they were like, yeah, the bet is two months of just like hardcore lifestyle design. Like, you know, we're going to meet up and go swimming and do yoga and break dance a lot. And we're not going to do any drugs or drink or eat any meat or animal products. And um, anyone who gets busted, and then we, everybody put in 50 bucks. And anyone who got, busted, uh, drinking or doing drugs or eating animal products or, uh, smoking cigarettes or whatever forfeit their 50 bucks. And whoever was left at the end got to keep the pot. So I was like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'm in, I'm in on this, like whatever. And, uh, one by one, they all fell (laughs) until it was me left at the end collecting all the money and uh i remember i was uh, uh on the last day i was coming from toronto back to ottawa where i lived at the time and i was in a ride share and i was like okay it's like march 1st the two months is over i'm gonna go get a slice of pizza and i got this slice of cheese pizza and because i got the cheese pizza i was late for the ride share so i got stuck in the middle And I was sitting there eating this piece of pizza in the middle of this ride chair and everyone was like, this fucking guy. And uh, I ate the pizza and it was all cheesy and meaty and stuff. And I fell asleep. And then in my dream, my my consciousness like left my body and like went into my own mouth into this like city made of flesh where like all the buildings were like meat and like all the ductworks of wires (laughs) and stuff were veins and then all of these like weird grubs started jumping out of the walls and burrowing into my skin and then they would like jump out of my skin and burrow into another place I was trying to catch them out of the air and uh, every time I got them and they were just like eating me alive and then I ran outside And there was, you ever seen the movie Akira when the guy turns into this weird tumor blob with faces and stuff in it? But, oh, I have. Yeah. yeah. So oh, the whole city started that. melting and turning into this like Akira tumor blob with everybody I know, and then it was like swarming and swallowing me. And I woke up and went, ah, in this rideshare, and everyone was like, B- "This worst guy to have a rideshare with." Like, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, it's a sign. I should, I should keep going with this healthy." Because I felt way better from doing two yeah. months of that. Yeah. So then um, I kept, I kept going with that. And, um, you know, if you have any kind of you know, dietary peculiarities, uh, you basically better learn to cook, you know? Because I would would Mm -hmm. go to restaurants, and like, because I I developed food allergies and stuff from being vegan, and it was really really shitty. Like, I I got allergic to all the vegan things by the end. Like, I made it about 15 years, and then at the end, I was allergic to wheat, I was allergic to corn, I was allergic to gluten, I was allergic to milk, I was allergic to eggs, I was allergic to all nuts, uh, and I would go into restaurants and I would list these allergies and they would just be like is this what you want and like slam down a bowl of rice in front of me and I'd be like no I I don't hate food I just (laughs) just can't eat lots of it and it got so bad I was getting like hives on my eyeball uh, which I didn't know was possible so uh eventually my doctor was like yeah dude you are out of things to eat like there's you're you're out you can't eat anything like soy was off the list so no soy sauce no chinese food like i just couldn't eat anything so um uh, you know so i eventually gave up and started eating uh, animal products again and uh focusing on eating uh less processed foods that are more just like ingredients uh, and that really made a huge difference and um, I learned in my food allergy journey that a lot of food allergies are um, from your biome right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that basically in my efforts to be a quote unquote healthy vegan uh, I was eating a lot of like organic food yes but very processed organic food that had mm-hmm. no more bacterial cultures in it and then me being a Dj and drinking because uh, this was i would drinking at this point in my life um, I ended up like really upsetting the my biome and uh, you know I just wasn't eating enough whole and raw foods so my biome basically was rejecting like everything um, so I became a lot more proactive about my biome I eat a lot of like kimchi and sauerkrauts and um, you know fermented foods and stuff and I'm like way in way better shape now um, but because of this long journey Journey of my dietary peculiarities uh, I, and just being a starving artist. Because, I mean, I was a starving artist for like 10 years before I ended up making a decent living. Like, I was making a living... But it was, like, toothpaste sandwiches, bro. Like, it was rough. Like, I couldn't afford to go out or do anything, so I would just stay at home in the studio. And, like, any time I would get money, I would spend all of my money on gear and then have no money left for food. And then I would just, like, go to the grocery store and just buy, like, bags of flour and, like, make shortbreads and shit. And I'd just be, like, at school, like, eating (laughs) shortbreads. Like, so poor. Um, But because of this, uh, I basically... Painted myself into a corner from which the only escape was to get good at music and uh, make a living at it and Eventually after failing again and again and again for 10 years uh, things started to pan out and now they're doing just great and I'm so glad that I had the grit to um, Make it through those periods Uh, But uh, now I have learned both music and cooking
0: that's amazing i love that the thing that got you on like the healthy lifestyle was spite and the trauma yes. of the dream spite drama don't ever underestimate the power of those dude spite, so spite is great it's a, it's a very good motivator it's I'm very useful yeah totally. so that kind of leads me to the idea that like so you said that it was kind of like when your back was against the wall that it kind of forced you. You're like, yo, I got to like make good music. I got to really, do you think that that's an important part? Like the starving artist in, um, or do you think that you can maybe bypass that?
1: Well, you can by- bypass that. But I, in my opinion, I think the only reason to make music, especially the only reason to to pursue it seriously is because you have to, Yeah. you know, like there should, if you're just doing it as like a means to an end, like you want to, be famous or, you know, be considered attractive to people you find attractive or uh, make money or whatever, you're not going to make it through the kind of necessary middle steps that are required to to get good at it, you know? And, you know, I think, like, one of the big things that holds people back from any kind of... um, independently motivated pursuit is that they don't commit you know Mm -hmm. and uh there's one thing that just bores me to fucking tears it is hearing people talk about the art that they're gonna make or the book that they're gonna write or the film that they're gonna do and then they never do it and i'm just like why are you even telling me about this shit it's like telling me about a dream that i wasn't in you know, like I'm not yeah. fucking interested in yeah. this, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, unless unless it's of course, there's like, you know, Akira tumor blobs or whatever, yeah. something <laughs> interesting. But if it's like it was like my house, but it wasn't in my house, yeah. I'm like, yeah. God, fucking kill yeah. me, you know. Um, yeah. So um, but yeah, so, you know, I read, you know, when I was trying to figure out how I was going to adapt to the artist's lifestyle. I remember I was, uh, you know, because I got my first record deal, like, right away. You know, I, it was, like, my second track I'd ever made. Yeah. just got signed yeah. um, because I was working with a scratch DJ in Toronto named Capital J. And uh, I was going over to his house to get him to do some cuts on a record because he's a friend of mine. He's cool. And I had just come back from a record store and I had a piece of vinyl that, that I played at his house. And I was like, oh, this thing has a skip in it you know and he was like oh well the A&R for that record label is a friend of mine we're in a band called Genocide and i was like that's the worst band name ever, homie. Like, why would you call you? And he's black, too. So I was like, yeah. why would you call your band this? He was like, it's yeah. hardcore. It's it a rise out of people. I'm like, yeah. shit. Like, But he's like, yeah, so anyway, we're in this band. It's not really working out, but I could give him a call. Yeah. And uh, he pulls out a Lego phone. He had a phone literally made of Lego. And he called him <laughs> up and was like, hey, this is my friend Dylan. He bought this record. It's busted. And I was talking to him. And he was like, oh, yeah, so you're working with Jay. Like, where can I check out your music? And I sent him to this, like super like no users producer website like where people would swap tunes and track feedback or whatever. And the next time I logged in, it was just like new flashing instant message from this guy, to the Incredible Melting Man. And he was like, hey, I'm the A&R, this final record label, and I wanna put out your second, third, and fourth tracks you've ever made. Don't like the first one though, too many illegal samples. And I was like, mm-hmm. holy crap. Uh, so then the next thing you know, um, you know, I was in this meeting with all these other artists, and they signed us all the album deals, and I, like, had to do it, right? And so that that was really, like—because, I mean, I probably would have kind of considered it, like, a hobby or, like, indulgent in some way mm-hmm. until uh, I had, like, an actual, like, hey, you know, like, you you have committed to doing this, and I did it. So, um, you know, so I I, I had this— this you know this commitment to do this and i was trying you know i i like w- it completely changed my motivations as an artist because like when you start and you're making music that's like just for fun it's just for you it, it kind of doesn't matter what other people think like did you have fun making it or not that's that's the goal Right. Um, So but once you're making music for other people and especially if you're like starting to consider perhaps having a career or whatever or you want your records to be, you know, some kind of a balance of your artistic vision and what you think other people want, uh, it becomes much more challenging. So I had was going through this really intense period of um, not so much writer's block because I was working all the time, but I just couldn't like my skills were not where they needed to be for me to get the record to sound the way that I wanted it to sound and I would just be like A, B comparing it against all of the other uh, artists that I was inspired by and I was just like the mix isn't there, the sounds aren't there, you know, and this was before YouTube so I I would like go to the guitar center and like give the guys weed to come over to my house and, and show me the ropes, you know like it was pretty uh, it was pretty, um, you do what you gotta do, right? Um, but anyway, so I was in this insane period of writer pull and, uh, you know, I had gotten very unhealthy with my obsession with finishing this music and, like, I wasn't going out. I wasn't... I'd skip birthday parties. I wouldn't go out with my friends. Like, I literally, like... You know, because I know rationally that you can make an amazing record in one magic afternoon, you know? and And when you look at the careers of different musicians, many musicians' careers have been launched by work that is essentially, to them, a toss-off. You know um like for example bauer with the harlem shake that is by no means the best bauer track like he was kind of just like yeah whatever it's like a dance beat like put it out on your free label i don't care and then next thing you know it's like the biggest thing he's ever done or like um there was uh, i lived in in ottawa so i used to go to montreal to party all the time and there's a, a dj and promoter there named tiga and everyone knew him as like tiga the promoter for the longest time uh and he would he would work really hard on his music but Um, It wasn't, like, huge international hits, you know, until one day he had some DJ friend of his in from out of town and they were fucking around on their synths and stuff in the afternoon before the show. And one of them was like, oh, I just figured out the riff from Sunglasses at Night, let's do a remix. And they did this like totally like stupid remix of Sunglasses at Night that they were gonna play, it was like an electro remix that they were gonna play at the club that night and didn't really think anything of it. And that was way bigger than any other track Tiga ever did. And totally launched his career and like blew him up, right? So, or, or like, you know, like look at like Ass and Titties by DJ Assault. Like that song is objectively stupid. Like it's literally just like a drum machine and swearing. But that's like a huge international hit. Like he plays in Germany all the time and stuff for like 30 year career based on this track. So knowing that, I was like... You know if i go to this friend's birthday party maybe maybe this is the day that i would have written that maybe i'll maybe i'll have the idea when i'm at my friend's house and then i won't be in the studio and then i'll have missed my chance you know and i had all these like kind of weird unhealthy mental blocks so i was i was just like staying up all night and like you know not going out and just like just eating crap food because i spent all my money on music equipment it was really just like not doing so hot and uh, my f- roommate at the time's mom called because we had we a had landline at this point i was a cell phone resistor i didn't get a cell phone until 2008 because i just i just, just don't like blow being, over i still like being interrupted all the yeah. time it's fucking yeah. annoying yeah. you know so i'd stone like that yeah so i was i was a real holdout so we we had a landline uh and his mom called and she's asking for him she's like how are you and i was like i'm coming apart at the seams to be completely fucking honest and she was like well what is it you know and she's like this like buddhist lady she's really cool um and then she was like oh you should check out this book called the artist's way by julia cameron uh who oh, is i later yeah. learned is james james cameron's wife um but uh she has this amazing book that has all these exercises and stuff that can help you to really come unstuck as an artist and have like a much more healthy relationship with your creativity and such. So I started doing those exercises and everything kind of came together and I finished the record and uh, and it was great. But one of the things that that book recommends that everyone does uh, is to draw up a contract with themselves, where you turn your nebulous non-action based goal of be an artist into specific, measurable action oriented, realistic timelines where you're like, Hey, I'm going to have this step done on this day. I'm going to have this step done on this day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when you wake up, you're not like, Holy shit, my whole career, everything I needed to say ever. You're like, okay, I got to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. What is the step I take today? You know? And when you can kind of break it down into that and develop like, you know, rotating weekly deadlines for your work and stuff, it's, it's a lot healthier. But, um, When I run into people who are telling me about all the art that they're not making, uh, I often will go, okay, let's draw up a contract. I'll sign it. You'll sign it. We'll put some deadlines on it. We'll put it on the fridge. And if you do it, I will totally support you. And if you don't do it, never talk to me about this shit again. (laughs) And I have got yeah. so many of my friends to finally do the fucking thing that yeah. they have been wanting to do because of this. And I think that the, one of the biggest things that a lot of, um, a lot of people who would-be artists lack is that level of commitment and accountability with mm-hmm. a third party. Um, and then, you know, after this period, I ended up going to the University of Toronto and studying psychology. And I learned that, um, that the principles that are in that process are actually psychologically very sound. And um, there uh, has been a lot of research uh, about this, but basically there's like four main factors that you need to know about for uh, goal achievement. Okay. So the first one is creating a formalized plan with action steps and a timeline and committing to it formally. That is number one right? Number two is creating some kind of an accountability with a third party so that you have someone who's like, hey, you know, where's that record you owe me? You know, like, so you get one of your friends to hold your feet to the fire or a record label or something and then check in regularly and the best results were achieved with a weekly basis. So there was a Mm -hmm. study where those three factors together, like they tried them all independently and then they tried them all three together and all three together more than doubled the likelihood of people achieving the goal. And it works for like New Year's resolutions or fitness goals or anything. Just some kind of a formal agreement, accountability with third party and weekly check-ins, right? It's kind of like then- AA, right? I think, uh, yeah, I mean of, a lot of similar. things. A lot of things include that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, um, the other thing that makes a massive difference is loss aversion. So there's a quirk of human psychology where we value loss more than we value equivalent gain. So it is worse to lose something than it is good to gain the same thing. Right. Uh, this is also known as the concord fallacy because of the failed aer- aerial uh, or uh, aerospace project, the Concorde, which was a very high-speed plane with like a robotic nose that would go up and down that was developed in the 80s by, uh, I think it was the American, French, and English government sunk like billions of dollars into the development of this plane because they they thought that um, consumers would pay extra to cross the Atlantic in two hours instead of four hours and that this would mean that they could charge like five times as much money for plane tickets. But the Mm -hmm. thing that they neglected to realize is that it takes fucking two hours to get to the airport and through security each way. So saving two hours on a four-hour trip is not cutting the trip in half. It's only like a 25% time saving. You know, you've got traffic to deal with and all the hassle of the airport. So the consumers just did not support this project at all and uh that's one thing i've learned in the entertainment industry is that the public is never wrong mm. the public mm. is never wrong uh, and um but yeah so they just these governments just kept throwing good money after bad because they did not want the money that they had spent to be quote unquote in vain right uh, in another experiment that they did about loss aversion uh they had a tennis court a real tennis court where you could either play for free on the outdoor tennis court, weather permitting, or you could reserve the indoor tennis court for an hour for $50. But the indoor tennis court, being an indoor gym in summer, was a very stinky and not the (laughs) nicest place to play tennis. But 80% of people who would have reserved the indoor court would come by on a beautiful sunny day with perfect weather and a gentle breeze in the air, and they would say, hmm, well, it's obviously nicer to play outside, but we've spent the 50 bucks to play inside in the stinky indoor sweaty tennis court. So we don't want to waste our 50 bucks, let's go play the obviously inferior game of tennis so that we don't lose our 50 bucks, which is completely irrational when you think about it. Like, you're there to play tennis, you want to play the most enjoyable tennis game possible. If that means playing outside, play the game you're gonna enjoy more, right? But 80% of people will play the worst game of tennis so that they don't quote unquote waste their 50 bucks that is already gone. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. this, uh, this loss aversion can be a very powerful motivating feature as well. And there's a, a website and app called stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K.com, uh, that we actually use in the dojo. I mean, we have our own app that is coming, but it's, it's in the works. But uh, this stick app allows you to um, create a goal, and then you can appoint a, a referee and put money on the line, just like I did with my my breakdance crew. Uh, and, you know, perhaps it is giving the money to your friend or perhaps it's donating to an anti-charity. You know, that, that people have found that donating to a charity that you absolutely hate is uh, is a very motivating factor. But if you're planning to do this, I warn you about the anti-charity. Because I have a friend who said they were gonna finish a record or else they were gonna donate five hundred bucks to Donald Trump. And they ended up donating five hundred bucks to Donald Trump and they are so fucked up about it. Like they're (laughs) super upset. And they're just like, I basically gave money to, to racism. Like this is terrible. Like I'm I'm funding. Funding just total corruption and and racism and God knows what else and they're they're really gutted So just be aware that that can happen. Yeah, Uh, but anyway, so we use this app stick uh, for what we call the remix your life challenge in the dojo and if you see people using the remix your life challenge hashtag uh, that's that's us and basically uh, we've gamified habit formation where Uh, you get one point for each new daily habit that you're trying to form, you get five points for a weekly habit, Um, you get 10 points for a monthly habit, Uh, uh, and I think it's like 20 points for a quarterly habit and then uh, 100 points for a yearly habit, right? Mm -hmm. And your yearly habit could be 365 days of a daily habit and then the year. So you get like, we wanted the yearly habits to be like big bonuses, right? Um, But anyway, so people have um, achieved incredible results with this. And uh, many of the members at Producer Dojo have, you know, quit smoking, quit drinking, lost tons of weight. I lost 15 pounds. I'm going on like five months of no drinking now. Um, And that's been pretty good. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been really great seeing the results. There was this, this one dude, like in the first quarter, our grand prize winner, Squidot, uh, he made 103 beats in three months. So I was like, damn, that's like more yeah. than a beat a day for three yeah. months consistently. And he finished tracks and stuff. That was just the beats that he made, like the Whoa. practice beats. But he made 103 practice beats. So Whoa. it's been, it's really gets results. But if you use those things together... Formalizing your plan with action steps that are realistic on a timeline with deadlines, formally committing to that. Having a third party with accountability, having weekly check-ins, and then putting some money on the line so that you can tap into that loss aversion. Those four things together we found in the dojo are just magic. And the results, like the dojo is on fire, man. I don't know if you've seen like any of the recent record releases, but the ones we got coming up are really insane too. And it's just like... It's got to the point where we have too much good music. So I started curating compilations of dojo artists for other record labels. And actually, depending on when this airs, June 29th, a compilation that I curated for a record label called Obscure... Records or Obscure Sound O-B-S-K-U-R-E-S-O-U-N-D Obscure Sound Um, they're putting out this uh, compilation that includes a bunch of um, different producer dojo members and uh, as well as myself I did a collab with um, a member named Galactic Groove he like came to sit in at the old school producer dojo back when we were in LA Uh, and um, we got a a Ragga Twins vocal off of Splice that we remixed because I love the Mm Ragga Twins but um, it's, it's part of their Splice thing that you're not supposed to credit them when you use their vocals because otherwise their their Spotify would be filled with all the people who use the oh, sample and but yeah, yeah. I'm guessing some of them are gonna be terrible so I can understand yeah. why people yeah. have that policy but the vocal is by the Ragga Twins um, which is crazy that you can get a Ragga Twins vocal on splice like that's they're yeah. huge
0: they're awesome Splice is so great like that's where I get pretty much all my samples I'm kind of curious when we're talking about habit formation in this uh, program that you've been doing through the dojo for you, when you were in that, like, darker space where you're really creatively stuck, what was, like, the first habit that you started to build oh, that was, like, journaling. oh, this is my clearing?
1: Journaling. Okay. Big time. Yeah, yeah I still journal every day. I, I, I write. Um, I mean, the journal exercises again, from that Artist Way book, and uh, basically, it's called the morning pages. And the idea, in at least as described in the Artist's Way book, is to dump uh, three pages, like loose-leaf pages, uh, longhand with a pen, and just write as fast as you can. And the goal is speed. So literally, okay. the only mistake is hesitation, which is the perfect mm-hmm. thing to train yeah. an artist because, yeah. you know, artist's subjective domain. What sounds good to you today will sound bad tomorrow. What sounds bad today will sound good tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, some people only like chiptunes so yeah you yeah, know yeah. It's, it's people people have their preferences it's entirely subjective so in an entirely subjective domain literally the only mistake an artist can make is to not make art aka to mm-hmm. hesitate uh, there's no such thing as writer's block there is only overthinking and uh when you are when you stop yourself you gotta ask yourself like is this making the track better or is this just a manifestation of fear and ego, you know? Uh, am I am I afraid of, of finishing? Because there's a big payoff to not finishing. A lot of people don't realize this. There's a big, like, ego payoff to not finishing. Because, like, let's say I am a developing producer, and I have not yet completed my first work. And you come over to my house, and we're smoking weed, and you're like, hey, man, you got all these synthesizers? To show me some beats, bro. <laughs> and I bust out some beats, and... Uh, show them to you in their half finished state one of two things happens either you say well that's amazing you're super talented you should you, you know you're gonna be a star someday these beats are hot and then i get to take all of the praise mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if you were to say you know what this is like the first pancake man you know you you've maybe got a little work to do left i get to say well it's not done yet, I'm a perfectionist, it'll be perfect when it's done. And then I get to avoid all the criticism because you can't really, like the criticism doesn't really hit unless you've like completed the piece of work and put it out there for people to judge. It is only for you to judge when it is in its incomplete state. So, um, you know, our ego is like, we want to be liked you know we want everybody to like us it's like beaten into us by evolution because you know if you if you lived in a cave and you were like hey guys i think maybe the great god ug ug is not responsible for the sunrise every morning they'd be like out of the cave saber-toothed yeah. tigers <laughs> and bears are going to eat you beat it you know and yeah. then and then you would die so these things yeah. are like yeah. evolutionarily beat into us but the modern world just does not have those same kind of like dangers and pressures and really a lot of that Um, A lot of that sort of evolutionary thinking is is maladaptive, but one of the great, the great tricks of the mind is that everything you decide seems like it's the product of free will, even though we know scientifically that you make very different decisions when your brain chemistry is chemically altered. It has Mm -hmm. like very, you know, and what you want when you're drunk. Is very different from what you want when you're sober. What you want when you're hungry is very different from what you want when you're not hungry. But it all seems totally rational to us. And you know, when we replay it, we're like, "Oh well, you know, clearly I took that action because of reasons." But um, you know, if you actually measure the brain. Uh, A lot of the time, you can see that the decision to take an action is uh, the activity uh, is is there in the hindbrain and often throughout the motor system, the activity can propagate through the motor system before it hits the cortex. Mm. And the cortex is where the rational parts of our brain live, where a lot of our linguistic centers are and our social centers and stuff, but the hindbrain. The, the reptile brain, the old school part of the brain, is making those decisions and taking action before you even know consciously, right? Yeah. So we know from that that there are definitely, you know, there are definitely decisions that are being made without your conscious control. But to us, the, the pilot of this, this meat machine, it, 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 fear, it feels as though we are in perfect control of everything and have— have free will, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we, we don't, but anyway, so that, that sort of, um, you know, you gotta, you're not your thoughts, you're not your feelings, you know, there is a level of abstraction that you can, that you can achieve through mindfulness meditation and through just, um, just generally the practice of mindfulness, not even meditation, just mindfulness in general. You can, you know, you can exert influence and you can, um, you know, Decide because what you want and what you want right now are usually two different things What you want is often more a product of the rational mind and what you want right now is a product of the the monkey mind and When I like that you yeah when you write in a journal you are especially when you do it in a way where it's like speed is the only goal things just start coming out. And there's only so many times you can watch yourself write, like, you know, I want to stop eating bonbons. And then like at, like an hour later, you're shoving bonbons into your face. There's only so many times you could do that where you're like, is this what I really want? Yeah. <laughs> or is this just that monkey brain again, right? So I found that the journaling thing, it really helps me to um, to with my willpower. And it, it helps me with, like, a lot of my negative emotions and stuff, too, because I think, like, our negative emotions, when they are unexpressed, um, have a lot more power over us. Whereas once you've kind of expressed it, and that negative emotion is now no longer just in your head, it's like like has a physical place in time and space. And you know that that thought is on that page in that journal, even if you don't read it. Um, But because you know, it's there, and you have that thought again, you're like, yeah, I already had that thought. What's new about this? You know, and then you want to move forwards just kind of naturally, just by knowing the fact that you wrote the thing. So, like, I never read my journals and I throw that shit out when I'm done. Like, I I have no Mm. point for this. And I would hate for anyone to read them because they're just full of my stupid, embarrassing thoughts. (laughs) You know, like, it's it's terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's actually,
0: I I don't know if I first heard it from you or Julia Cameron because I also read the artist. It's a great book. It's really great. I like the fact that there's actually exercises to do to where you yeah. can actually kind of incorporate it into your life more yeah. than just like, okay, I read it. Okay, bye. You know, but it, I've been doing it does parts get day. a little
1: woo-woo though. You got to be ready to get a little woo-woo with yeah.
0: that book. You got to open up to like, I don't know. I think like a little bit of woo, you know, can go a long yeah, way. I, I, yeah, I'm
1: not anti-woo-woo. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. there's woo-woo in there.
0: Yeah. I like saying like, I, I like woo without being lame about it. You know, like there's a way where it gets really schmaltzy and it's just like, Ugh, I yeah. don't know about that, but I think it's like really grounded and it can really help open you up to just a lot more oh, to life. Totally. totally. Yeah. Think thing about the, the journaling, I always, I, I call it like taking inventory, like taking stock of like what's there. And if you really do it with that speed in mind, I've noticed, like you were saying, like by logging the the negative thoughts, you're You're exposing aspects of yourself that are already there and you're investing energy into. So by getting it on the page, you you're able to see it. You know, you're able to see kind of the subconscious movements of your mind, and you're like, "Oh, I can not have to just like act that out." And I yeah. think that that alone is it's just so good for mental health and like understanding yourself, which I mean for art, you're just moving energy. You're yeah, just you have to unclogging. It's, it's
1: far more about getting your headspace together than it is about like, Knowing the latest software or whatever, you know, and I mean just like look at the MPC like That thing is almost exactly the same as the MPC that I bought with all $5 bills after selling weed all summer when I was 15 (laughs) And it's like the same device. I'm using it like 20 years later and it's still It still is like, you know, I mean, yeah, you can use EQs and and, you know effects and stuff in it now and there's like synths and stuff in it, but most of the time, that's not what I'm using an MPC for. I'm using an MPC yeah. to to chop up sounds and order them, you know, mm-hmm. and like that process is is always going. Like even a thousand years from now, if people are making music in audio form, they're going to be chopping and arranging audio. Like yeah. that's that's what the process is, you know. Yeah. So it's um, there's definitely yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of things that that have have lasting power lasting value um and jur- journaling journaling is definitely one of them i think that 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 technology especially with the pen like i've tried it with the computer mm-hmm. it's not the same it's not the same no this but
0: that... connection like a tactile sense when your hand hits the paper with the pen it almost I, I had this kind of thought that like so much of music is it's kind of like an expression of your energetic state in that moment and something i realized when I was doing music and interacting with other producers who were kind of on my level, kind of stuck in that space of like half-finished beats and the such, um, there's like a hyper emphasis on the tech, on the the like the sound designer, like doing stuff like that. And it's like my best stuff has came from when I let everything go and was oh, just totally. expressing, you know. But it, it's hard to balance, especially with. Um, electronic music because there is so much technical understanding that needs to happen.
1: Well, and, and I think that I think one of the big problems, right, is like um, a lot of the time people don't want to take kind of like personal responsibility and ownership mm-hmm. and they want to be like, oh, you know, like that thing that's going to make my music is like, this external thing. Right. And like if I just had this external thing and it was like one more module or one more plugin or one more whatever, then I'd be able to like compete, you know? And the 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 great failure of so many electronic musicians is to is just to realize that the music doesn't come from the synthesizers and doesn't come yeah. from the plugins. It's gotta come from you. Like, what do you have to say? What's your style? Why do yeah. we care about your style? Like, what makes your style fresh? You know, yeah. and so many people uh, forget about that. You know, and I think that that's why, um, you know, for example, the the black community is so has just such a, a leg up in terms of music is they've always understood that it's all about style. It's all yeah. about style, and you know, I think like. Like the because like I'm I'm into MPC music a lot and like like rap and hip hop and stuff and like the the divide is really crazy like people who use Ableton and Dawes are like primarily white primarily dudes you know yeah. and the MPC world uh, has a lot more like POC influence a lot more women involved and stuff and it's like it's a lot more it's a lot more about like you know personal expression a lot of the tracks have vocals and stuff and there's this whole you know mpc beat culture where like you make make the beats on the mpc you make a mixtape, you shop the beats out to rappers or vocalists they like pick the beats and then you finish them and turn them into songs and like that whole that whole workflow is just so much more like because like everybody has the same limitations you can't load a vst mm-hmm. plugin on an mpc like you could maybe get a different synth than the next person for making samples with, but you know it's like you're just chopping and arranging audio and it just really it really cuts the core so i th- i find um you know when i'm i'm studying different uh music resources a lot of the time uh i end up learning things that i then apply in ableton uh, from the mpc community because um you know that that music is so much more focused on style and on rhythm uh, and on like you know, like so much of the, the like white dude computer music is just like 100% quantized. Everything's exactly on the grid, and it's like here's the here's the yoi sound that I learned how to make on YouTube, and then here's the growl sound that I learned how to make on YouTube, and then here's the wob sound that I learned how to make on YouTube, and then here's a sample of someone yelling a word, and then the phrase repeats, but with a different version of the yoi and a different, and it's just like. Dude, you all are doing the exact same shit. Like, how am I supposed yeah. to tell you fuckers apart? Like, it's yeah. it's all exactly the same. Whereas, like, you know, MPC music and like a lot of the um, a lot of the music in uh, the black community is is just so much more about style, expression, rhythm, flow. Like, and it's just like. It's uh, It's there's definitely. I mean, there's there's things to be learned on both sides, and um, you know, uh, I've definitely heard some pretty, pretty badly mixed and produced music, the, and, and I listen to a lot of badly mixed and produced yeah. music because of that's good style. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's definitely things to be to be learned from from both. But I think um, you know, I think if you are an artist out there and you're you're in that. Um, you know that that uh that gas gear acquisition syndrome is is Mm. coming up um you know you just got to recognize that like like kendrick lamar that grammy winning damn album the beat for humble the big tune on that grammy winning album was made on an iphone with garage band oh my i actually didn't know that (laughs) holy shit Uh, yeah kanye west said that the iphone mic is his favorite mic because it is always with him and he has actually gone to print with several vocals that came from that mic because he found that he could not recapture the vibe of that vocal when he was in the studio and he's like you know what the iphone vocal is better like i tried a bunch of times that's that one's better let's go print with that one you know so it's like you know there's like you you have everything you need like your smartphone is way faster than the computers that made like tippers surrounded album you know Like he made that before they even had Intel Max that was back with the old Apple chips before the Intel and before the M1. And he made that shit all on a laptop with no monitors. He mixed it later on monitors, but he made it all in an RV on a laptop with no monitors and no like he just had because he stayed at my house like right after he did that record. And he just showed me he had this little like dinky little MIDI controller, like this big, no knobs, just like a bunch of bunch of like keys. And he just like, you know, he had a workflow where he would like, you know, make synth sounds, sample them, chop them up in contact, and then he would do like the kick on like uh, C sharp, which is a black key, the snare on D sharp, which is a black key, and he'd play the kick and snare with his left hand, and then he'd have like three hats or shakers on the other black keys, and he would play the drums like that. And that was why so much of his music had triplets in it. It's because he's going tickety 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 on the three black keys mm-hmm. with his right hand for yeah, the high hats yeah. and stuff. And oh. He just had this workflow where he was just like you know the sounds might have taken this whole processor to make but once they're sampled it's just chopping up a sample it's like not mm-hmm. not too much processor use um but yeah so he showed me that workflow like way back that would have been like 2000 and fuck, 2003 or 4 or something it was like a really long time ago um but but yeah so and it's just like you know if you listen to that surrounded album that thing sounds insane even today, to this day, even today even you know? today you know, and he yeah. put that album out like uh, here. I'm gonna Google it. Uh, Tipper Surrounded release date. Um, yeah, May 20th, 2003. That's and that wow. the record is insane. Like that, your smartphone is way better than the computer yeah. that was made yeah. that that album was made on. Your smartphone is yeah. way better than that. So. You know it doesn't matter if you're trying to make really technical music or not you can do it with the tools you already have you don't need any more plugins you know there's so many free resources out there you can get sounds like freesound.org is crazy like it's like a completely non-profit like uh educational resource and people just like you want an 808 type it in boom there's samples of a real 808 Mm -hmm. you want a sample of an elephant type it in boom like i sampled a queef from there the other day and there's like but yeah my track um like lists of queefs no there there was only one queef but it was like the perfect queef like it didn't need any eq you only need one yeah and it's like if you listen to my track marble madness um at the turnaround at the end of the drum phrase literally like every time there's this this sound and that sound is a queef and it's it's completely unprocessed like pure you know yeah It's like queef to table. It's really really great. But, you know, you can get anything. Like, you can type in anything. Like, I was just like, I could look up anything. And then I typed that in, and I was like, this is is a really nice recorded queef. That's as far as queefs go. That's one of the the nicer queefs I've heard.
0: It's probably why it's the only one. I mean, like I said, you really only need one. Like, they captured it. So I'm kind of curious. I wonder how much of, like, the creative influence is... The, the environment that you're in like you said like in a lot of like black culture like they're using MPCs and they're getting a lot more like style out of it they're getting a lot more expression and i'm sure that a lot of that also has to come down to the fact that they're not like i feel like being in a studio creates a certain kind of sound and you can get a like wide variety but like if you're like out in a different kind of space you said like um like Tipper was out in like a trailer you know oh, making yeah. surrounded
1: yeah, I just mix, wonder how much your environment a different for sure big yeah. difference for sure Um, And, um, you know, that's kind of one of the great things about um, music making now is it's so portable, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know I know a lot of people who who get um, much more out of their mobile devices. And I actually, um, you know, I've been working on a book and I was sitting and writing at my computer desk and I just I just hated it, you know, and like. Because, uh, like, I, I spend, you know, I'll put in, like, 12, 14-hour studio days for, like, five mm-hmm. days in a row in this exact chair. And I try not to sit in this chair unless I'm actually making music. So for me to be doing this kind of, like, hobby project, writing a book, I'm like, oh, this is just, like, this is just not cool. Like, I'm not having fun. My back hurts. Like, I just—I just, I don't need another thing to do in this chair yeah. And then, you know, I started just like writing on my phone in the notes. And, you know, like I can write like ten thousand plus words in a day on my phone, like okay, easy. Okay. You know, and just chill. Yeah. It's like it's it's a totally different thing. So that's um so that's been pretty cool. Um, so, you know, I found I found that that environment I like a lot more. Now, I don't really, like, I mostly do sound design on my phone when I'm doing music stuff and just, like, make recordings of synthesizers and, and um, manipulated granular sounds and stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, I found, like, like that kind of, um, you know, just, like, being outside or, like, sitting in a park or, like, an art gallery or something or just some, like, peaceful spot and just having this, like, you know, people just walking around you in the world, and you have this like these private fireworks in your eardrums. It's like, so um, I find it's like pretty zen, you know? And then, like, you know, you're not going to be there forever. It's not like you're like in your studio again for another 14 hour day, you know? It's like, mm, yeah. yeah, I think it really helps. It you really kind of helps. Break it up. Yeah. So,
0: where I want to go is um, we're, we're opening up with COVID, right? So, where you're you, about we'll to see? be starting. I'm in Michigan. Uh, oh, okay, cool. in America, Grand Rapids. Right so, on. Yeah, it's a good spot. But something that a lot of musicians are going to be having to do again after so long is touring. And, you know, we're talking about, like, lifestyle things, behavior, like trying to, like, maintain your momentum creatively. How do you navigate touring? It's one of the things that kind of kept me from being a full-time
1: musician. I don't want to tour. <laughs> really yeah, don't. it's not for everybody. I fucking love it, personally. I yeah. love it like i love meeting new people i love being exposed to new things i love being exposed to new music i love going out for sushi i love rocking parties i love like you know like the money of course is great Mm -hmm. um so that that really helps and uh you know going to music festivals is super fun and just like just like meeting all these people that music is like by far the most important thing in their life that Mm -hmm. to me Uh, you know those are my people man like and I if, if someone if I meet someone who has like you know who gets it at like a musical level and like we can geek out on all the different artists that we listen to and like different different trends and sounds that are that are coming out I love that man. like I I totally dig it and then you know I developed the ability to just sleep on any plane and like coffee will give me insomnia at my house like if i have a coffee at like 4 p.m or whatever forget about it i'm not going to bed till 4 a.m but Mm. i can pass out right after coffee on a plane like my body Uh. has just from like 15 years of touring it's just like oh this is our chance and like i will just pass the fuck out the entire time on the plane you know and like it just doesn't it doesn't matter so it's you know i mean the flying is just like teleporting if you can sleep enough and then when i am awake you know i got a battery in my mpc so i'll just be working on my finger drumming and stuff and like just just getting getting the hours of practice in and then i read like all the time like i try to read at least a book a week so i'm always Mm -hmm. like you know just cranking through audiobooks just constantly so i mean i never waste any time on the road Um, and then it's like i'm either studying or performing or celebrating and getting paid for it And it's just it's awesome. So like it's not something I have to manage like I like it, right, you know, right So, what do you think so? You
0: have a family now. How how do you think you're gonna like? Congratulations also by the way, but how do you think going forward you're going to be able to Balance both of these Um, lives. You're just gonna make more stops at home or
1: yeah, well basically, you know I told like because I mean it's like the dojo pays pretty well but i have like a ton of people that i that i pay full time like you know like and i i pay everybody like across the board like living wages and and more you know like i even people who are doing stuff like support like i give everybody like 25 an hour you know like i'm not I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody or like... And they're all my friends, you know? They're all my friends. They're like people who came up through the dojo who are talented musicians in their own right. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, we have a few people who are like interns or do a work trade where they work for training, but anyone who's getting paid is getting paid well. Like that. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I don't want that to change. So, yeah. um, you know, because we have such a big team, it's not like, it's not like going on the road, you know? Um, so financially... I'm very looking forward to going on the road because, like, I just got fucked, like, just like a whore in a prison riot. It was. Brutal. Like, my whole world just, like, got destroyed by COVID. Like, I had, yeah. you know, an album ready to drop and, a, a, you know, tour lined up and everything. And then I'm living in this, like, massive five-studio warehouse complex that I dreamed of my whole life and built up. And, like, you know, it's, like, unless you can run people through those studios, that is a serious liability. So, mm-hmm. you know, I went from making, like, fucking, like, 20 grand plus a month to nothing, and then my studio went from making like, you know, 20 grand a month to nothing. And now I'm just like, all it's just all expenses. And being a Canadian living in the United States, I was ineligible for, um, like, the, basically my visa company was like, yeah, if you take oh. any of those support checks, you're not getting another work visa. So oh, I was like, oh, shit. fuck, okay. So I can't do any of that. And then the Canadian government's like, yeah, you know, we'll give you aid if you come home. <laughs> but I'm like, oh god, I can't do that. Too many things. So yeah, it was it was just brutal, man. Like last year was was super shit. But I pivoted and I figured it out, and I managed to not end up in debt and stuff, and that was pretty cool. But it was definitely like I had to I had to really hustle. I had to move out of that to dojo because I was like, you know, I can't like if it's gonna be a year and a half, I can't I can't just pay like five grand a month rent for a year and a half and just yeah. wait you know so i was like right. i'll build another dojo whatever you know um so i'm, pr- I'm probably gonna build it again in vancouver because i still have all the stuff like i still have yeah, like, there's like yeah. this house has like three fucking studios in it it's crazy yeah. um so i still have all the stuff actually here i'll just show i'll switch the camera so
0: mm. oh shit was this all from the uh the warehouse studio you're talking about?
1: I mean, I have like nice. I have a storage unit with stuff. I can't even like I can't even physically set it all up in the house. Yeah. But we got like pianos and guitars and stuff, and like yeah. there's a film set out back and all this other stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm probably gonna get another warehouse and build it back and everything. But that, so I knew I had to leave the warehouse eventually anyway, because like if you have a baby, you don't want to be living in a sketchy warehouse in downtown LA. Yeah. Like yeah. it was, it was cool, and we didn't think we were gonna get pregnant. Like we were, right. we were like trying but the doctors are like you guys aren't gonna get pregnant and then we were just like oh okay well here we go then you know and it's been great like asha is just like super healthy super happy just stoked all the time um but when we were living in la like we were right downtown in the warehouse district where all the artists live which is also right next to skid row and um, that is not where you want to be for COVID, yeah. man. Like, yeah. there, were, oh. there was an outbreak of the bubonic fucking plague. Well, actually? And, uh, there was an actual what? outbreak of the bubonic oh plague God. where all of the homeless people in the camps, because it's spread by rats, and there's all these, like, giant, nasty rats <sighs> with the plague. And all these rats were, like, you know, giving the homeless people, like, the, bubo- the black death from the oh Middle Ages. Um, and we were, like, right next to that. And I remember, like... When we were getting ready to leave, we were were walking and one of our dogs is a rat terrier and You know what rat terriers do? They hunt and kill rats. So we're walking, and there's this like diseased rat that's like dying on the ground, and she runs up and just bites it by the neck, and it starts freaking out. And I'm like, oh my god, we're all this is how we die. We're all gonna get the black death. We had like, and then we we had a flight in a couple days. I'm like, shit, do we even tell the center for Uh. disease control? Like they're not gonna let us into Canada. Like this is this is brutal. You know, we're like, let's just pretend nothing happened. That's the move. So we. We gave the dog a bath. That <laughs> was the best we could do.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to stop the plague. At least a Yeah, bath. It's, I, at you least know, it's you know it's fleas, do. right? It's yeah. spread
1: by fleas. So if the fleas are okay. Okay. bitter yet, yeah. you know, but yeah, the Black Death was flooded by fleas. Oh man, I, I listened to this Behind the Bastards podcast, and they had this whole episode about the behavior of the church during different plagues. And during the Black Death There was no concept of like bacteria or anything like that. So the church had decided that obviously the black death was caused by sin. So the thing to do would be to get everybody together oh, so no. that they can all pray together and take communion together, you know, oh. sharing by mouth, you know, uh, like holy water and wine and wafers and all that. So the Catholic Church just becomes this like plague factory oh, my and God. then everybody dies. Right. So they're like, OK, well, we need to get more people. So we need to have like some parades and stuff to get people hype for the church. So they had parades, and then they had these um, these the, the really really pious monks were the 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 ones that would flagellate themselves, right? And uh, mm-hmm. because of original sin, and they're punishing themselves for this the sins of man. So they would go around with these like whips and stuff, and like whip themselves bloody, and be just like spraying everyone with plague blood. Oh, and then uh, they encouraged people to bring their children up so that they, that the monks could like kiss their 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 children and that, that, that would that would I guess cure them of sin. It's the last um, thing you so, should yeah. be doing. So I'm I'm amazed that there were any Catholics left after yeah. this behavior. It's uh oh my God. it's wild. But yeah, the Black Death man, serious shit. Um, but yeah so we were so we were You know, so we were in L.A., and then this, like, pyromaniac crackhead started setting fires in our neighborhood, and there were, like, flames licking up the side of our warehouse unit at one point. I was like, oh, God, this is really scary. Um, And then so I decided that I would um, make my debut as an urban decay photographer, and I started taking all these photos. Like, there was one where there's the Sears building, which is abandoned and destroyed. Uh, It's all the windows are broken because Sears went bankrupt, you know, Mm -hmm. because of Amazon and uh, other factors. Uh, but I remember there was this article about Sears where they were the, the Sears CEOs, during the downfall of Sears, uh, gave themselves all millions of dollars of bonuses because of how m- emotionally taxing it was to make the decision to pay off Sears investors rather than paying the pensions of their lifetime <laughs> Saibatsu-style oh, employees God. who had their entire future as old people, depending on the coffers of Sears. And they had to the stress the stress of giving all that money to the shareholders instead was so taxing that they had to give themselves millions of dollars of bonuses to do this, obviously, because that's oh yeah, such, it's hard work fucking people yeah. over like that, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, they needed a picture to illustrate the downfall of Sears and it was our Sears from our neighborhood, the big the big towers in LA. Uh, and I remember uh, there was this pyromaniac crackhead uh, around their neighborhood and I, I saw him walking down the street one day he was like, um, again, like the end of Akira, He had he had this like cape that he had fashioned for himself, like Tetsuo, and it was all burned, like it was like this burned cape, 20 feet long, and he had like a metal pipe in one hand, and then he had a rope with a forklift pallet, and he was dragging this forklift pallet to go, I guess, start his next fire, just covered in soot with this cape. And I guess he'd been setting things on fire, so he set on fire, there was uh, maybe, I don't know, someone was throwing out a bed, but I guess they lived across from the Sears building, so there was this big, like, four-poster bed that was burned to ash in front of the Sears, where they are famous for making, it selling beds that was also destroyed so i took fo- I took photos of that and then there were some graffiti covered um smashed cars uh like on my street this person i guess just totaled their car and just left it in the middle of the street and it didn't get towed because you know it's it's only like the intersection of the five and the ten in la like that's not you know it's not not important it's not like millions of cars don't go through every day so it's just this burned out like smashed car all the windows are broken like homeless people sleeping and covered in graffiti uh, and I took some pictures of that one of them made the front page of, of reddit and actually ended up like uh, like getting kind of famous nice. um, but yeah so during that period I was like you know documenting the decay of everything and then the the riots started and uh, mm-hmm. my uncle, uh, who's like one of my collaborators he had his, his pitbull with him and he was taking his pitbull out at night and uh he heard, oh, fuck, fuck, oh, my God, fuck. And he looks over, and there are all these people in volaclavas with crowbars breaking into the grow-op in the warehouse next door, and they oh. thought he was a cop because he had a pit bull. So he started freaking out and running, and he comes back in, and he's like, I think I almost got shot. Like, oh, my cause God. Because they, like, they thought he was busting them during their robbery with yeah. his pit bull, but he's just taking his dog out for a shit. Uh, but, yeah, so I was like, okay, this is getting actually dangerous. Like, yeah. we, should, we should move. And get our baby out of here, and then, you know, I was debating like, do I move to the suburbs and then keep the studio going and commute every day? And I'm just like, I don't want to commute in LA. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. my life. So I knew I, I knew I was probably just gonna go uh, go move anyway. So I was like, yeah, if I'm gonna move anyway, I might as well might as well move back to Canada because like my my brother lives in town with his mm-hmm. wife, and my uncle lives in town with her wife, and like my parents came and stayed with us and stuff, and it's just like. When you have a kid, that all that becomes so much more important, you know. Right. So, so yeah. So it's been pretty cool. Um, and then, um, you know, the Canadian government has a bunch of grants bunch of cultural and arts grants oh, that are really shit, cool okay. so, uh, so yeah so I'm in the process of applying for some government grants um, uh, like music video grants tour grants and then hopefully um, I can uh, get a grant to get another warehouse and build that because like when we had that man it was like always full of people like yeah. so much music was getting made all the time we are just like filming videos constantly and we did a couple really sick music videos that are coming out with my album in um, uh, well I have two new albums Coming, there's one in August and one in January. But the album, uh, each one of them has a new, uh, new music video that we made at the dojo that are mm-hmm. just so sick. Like when you have like a giant, like 40 foot ceiling warehouse covered in graffiti and stuff, and like you can just walk around the neighborhood, it's just like it looks like you're in, like, The Crow or something. It's just, like, anywhere you film, it's going to be cool looking, you know? So, yeah, so we filmed some really great music videos and stuff. I I, I mean, I get a lot of mileage out of the dojo Mm. headquarters, and I'll definitely miss it, but I don't miss the, like, giant cockroaches and homeless people setting Mm. shit on fire. I'm literally getting, like, Mad Max images, like, what the hell's going on in L.A.? It's basically what it was like. But this is downtown L.A. That's just, like, all the warehouses, they look terrible outside, and then you go inside, and it's, like, this, like, Mm. magical art, fortress you know yeah yeah it's uh, yeah i mean all the like that's where that's normal that's how it's always been it wasn't it didn't get especially bad during covid i just became a lot more sensitive to that shit having a yeah i'm
0: sure i'm sure that sounds like the dream though like that kind of like community like damn that sounds so like special and especially in la when there's already so many artists you know yeah
1: Oh dude, we were killing it too. We were making tons of money out of that studio. Like I did stuff for Star Wars there and like what? all kinds of shit. Yeah, it was super dope. Yeah, the Cantina, the Star Wars Cantina. I made the the music that plays in the only place you can drink in Disneyland. So I got a got what? a captive captive audience of, of Star Wars nice. booze hounds. Is that kind
0: of like in your similar style, or were you kind of like ghostwriting, no, no, so No, no, It's
1: Disney. It's under an alias. Fuck. We had to pretend to be uh, a space band from the Star okay. Wars universe. It sounds kind of like like Daft Punk meets C2C meets R2-D2, you know? Nice. Uh, it's, it's pretty Oh, that's fun. so fun. Yeah, cool. it's called um, a Droid World, if you look Droid up Droid World. World. Yeah. Is Definitely it, like, can't outfit? play that one on your show, though. That'll set off the yeah. copyright detectors yeah. for sure.
0: yeah. Yeah. Is it out there, though? Is that something oh, yeah, you can find? Out.
1: Yeah, it's out. Yeah, and okay. you, you can hear it at Star Wars. I mean, when you go see it at the Star Wars place, there's, like, dancing robots and shit, but... Because mm. I made the droids sing. I was like... What does Disney want with Star Wars? I was like, they want singing droids. I'm going to yeah. get my vocoders out and make singing droids. And they loved it. That was the one they used in the ads and shit. Like, it was a whole album, but that was the one they used. And I got to see a video of uh, they're presenting about like Star Wars Disneyland. So, like, Harrison Ford, uh, everybody's on stage. And then they, they like played my song during the presentation. And Harrison Whoa. Ford's like, yeah, it's pretty sweet. I was like, Whoa. nice that might be like a peak moment right like it was it was pretty cool it was pretty cool and i mean star wars that's some shit you do just so you can brag about star wars you know right
0: right yeah and i'm sure they paid pretty well i mean disney they should have at least it was decent
1: it was decent. i have no complaints
0: yeah awesome well dylan we're at an hour so thank you so much time flies it does doesn't it yeah i was really digging these stories um, so, yeah, you have a lot of stuff going on. I want to give you yeah, some tons. space to just describe everything you have going on. I'll talk okay, about the dojo cool. in the intro and really give people a good heads up on that. But, yeah, where can people find yeah. you? What's, uh, what's going on?
1: Okay, for sure. Uh, I mean, there's definitely uh, a lot of moving pieces in my world. Um, so I think the place to start is probably by following me on Spotify, where all my music comes out. So it's ill.gates.com. On Spotify um, and uh, you can you can hear all kinds of new music I've got an album coming out in uh, September 3rd and then I have another one scheduled for January and there's gonna be a bunch of singles and music videos and stuff around those that uh, we've all worked really hard on uh, and they're gonna be dropping on my record label producer Dojo. And uh, my record label is also a kind of, like, music coaching community where uh, I that I built where, out of the frustration that when I was starting out, it was so hard for me to find experienced people to lend me an ear and show me the ropes. Um, and, you know, when you're looking through tutorials and stuff, it's just kind of a bunch of information unless you have, like, some direction to it, you know? And really... The direction that you're looking for when you're trying to become an artist it needs to come from other people who are doing the thing you wanna do. You know? So I was like, man, there's like not really a community like this. Cause I would go on like the drum and bass forums like Dogs on Acid and stuff, but every time I posted there, people would just be so mean. And I was like, "Yo, this sucks! Like, why? Why do you yeah. even hang out here? You just all just sit around hating on each other and yeah. getting into arguments." I was like, "This sucks!" So I wanted to make like a really like cool, inclusive, and positive community. Um, so we're really hardcore about the code of conduct. Like, if you're if you're a dick, you are out. Um, but we have uh, we have a great community and uh, it's built around the record label and um, then I, I provide all kinds of training resources uh, for the people in the community, including the weekly download. And the weekly download is a members-only music class that I hold every week. And every single week there is a completely different subject. And it's been going for... 235 weeks as of this week. So wow. getting into the archive, archive, it's just like Netflix for producers. Like there's like drum kits, there's sound packs. There's it'll teach you how to DJ. It'll there's interviews with PR people that teach you how to promote a release. There's you know episodes on branding. There's episodes on every aspect of synthesizers. There's like a whole, a whole hour on kicks, a whole hour on snares, a whole hour on hi hats. You know like, like every Different thing has its own weekly download, and then people suggest new ones. And then I have all kinds of special guests like uh, Andrew Huang, Mr. Bill, Conrank, Mersive, uh, you know, just like tons and tons of guests all the time. Uh, Zeke Beats was on, his episode was amazing, Craddy. So the weeklydownload.com that's like kind of the best the best way to get access to uh, my teaching and then i also do like workshops and stuff uh, but those are those are kind of more like um a lot of them they have like a specific kind of purpose um so i recently did one about like developing your own style and on the importance of style because i was looking for resources on style and i realized that there are not any good resources on musical style for electronic musicians. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the people who have style are very guarded and competitive uh, and then the people that write about style are people who are just like not necessarily full-time musicians. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. a whole bunch of like not full-time musician advice about style. And uh, and a lot of it was terrible. Like they would be like, all the is in, wor- in the world isn't going to save you if you don't know how to EQ a snare drum. I was like, that could not be more incorrect. Yeah, like, yeah. have you heard the music people like? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, but anyway, so I, I put together this class on style that was to address that specific purpose. And then uh, recently... I was, I heard some stories from some friends of mine about, you know, that were female friends of mine who were vocalists about how frustrating and toxic the music making community is for female artists, especially for vocalists. And they often end up in a situation where you know some dude bro will be like oh you know you're so talented i'm totally going to help you and like you know to take you to like the stars you should be a star i'll just i'll make you a star we should hang out and then they're like oh okay that all sounds great it's awesome and then they put their heart and soul into recording a bunch of vocals at producer x's house and then once all the songs are in their computer but not done out comes the penis. And oh. it's like so lame it's to hear this story again and again and again. Yeah. From even like, you know, high level, like Kesha famously with Dr. Luke and shit, you know? And it's just like, it's just so lame that these like douchebag producer bros are trying to like use someone's art against them as leverage like that. Like that's yeah. so fucked up. And if you, if anyone who's ever done that, like, fuck you. I'm sorry, yeah. fuck you. You I know? Double it. So, um, yeah, so I was like, yo, I need to make a, a course for uh, for women, uh, especially for vocalists to, to become self-sufficient, but to become their own producer, or to become their own recording engineer. So I, I did part one yesterday, which is really cool. But I'm doing like a three parter where one is um, about the foundations, like, you know, mental barriers, limiting beliefs and then um, about like just getting set up and all to, nuts and bolts of getting set up, getting ready to record how you should approach learning. Uh, And then number two is about songwriting and um, about using your mouth to control synthesizers and drum machines and stuff, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't realize they can do that. But if you can sing, you can write music, you know, Mm -hmm. like you don't like, you know, and, and that's that's honestly the great weakness of a lot of electronic music producers is they don't have very interesting melodies you know and if you can sing you can come up with really interesting melodies that may elude your theoretical grasp but you can still make them you might not know what exactly makes those chords what they are have the names for them or whatever but if you can sing them out put them into a synth like off you go so uh the second one's about like you know writing songs with your mouth and controlling synthesize with your mouth songwriting lyrics etc and then the last one's going to be all about mixing and mastering um but yeah, so, you know, I do these workshops that have like kind of specific agendas uh, to fill kind of specific gaps. Um, so those are fun. You know, if you get to catch one of those live, they're, they're a bit more rare, but, um, but I, I like doing those, uh, doing those as well. And I do them at festivals and stuff, too, because like doing a class every week is, is cool. But those ones are a lot of them are like they're more like technical. And specific, and I'm like I'm like opening Ableton and showing people stuff in Ableton. Whereas I love putting together like a presentation where there's like you know there's quotes and philosophy and like big picture stuff, kind of like my old methodology workshops. And those things are best delivered in a longer format, like you know two hours plus. So um, so yeah, so I do these workshops too, and you can sometimes catch me doing those workshops on the road. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm gonna be on the road a lot in the fall. I got this new agent, AB Touring. They are uh, kind of, um, you know, Wakon fam that spin off and started their own thing. And, man, they are just killing the game. They got all the right artists on that agency. And, like, I'm, like, my calendar is full, man. Like, I'm at the point where they're, like, do you want to pack another one in there on Tuesday? And I'm, like, dude, you guys are killing me with this shit. Like, this is awesome. But... Yeah, killing me, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, so I'm trying to go out in like kind of more condensed runs, and then have like, uh, I mean, I was trying to have two weekends off, but I told them I was like, yo, I I need one weekend off. That's not negotiable. Preferably two, but they better drive a truckload of money off to my house to make me cough up that other weekend. <laughs> They're like, okay, truckload of money coming up. And I was like, oh shit, all right. Well, in that case, <laughs> maybe I can go out that yeah. weekend. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty. Oh, I can't wait, man. Like after living for like. Like a year and a half with no gigs and not being able to charge people to come over to do studio work, it's right. been like ah. Uh, but soon there's a light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. I got my uh, I got my Pfizer's, so I'm. Uh, oh, you did the um, Pfizer's too. Yeah, nice. I mean you Pfizer gotta wait. Gang. There's a long, there's a longer gap in Canada between them because they're trying to like give everybody round one mm-hmm. before they do round two. So yeah. Yeah, everybody has a different strategy. I was actually kind of impressed by the Philippine strategy of vaccinating the people that come into contact with the most other people first.
0: Oh, that's, that makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Service like, workers. They're like,
1: yeah, we'll just quarantine the old people and then get all the people who are going to spread it, get them first. Like all the people yeah. who have no choice but to, yeah. to be in a situation where they're spreading it. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, not so down with the murdering of drug users, though. That, that, oh, that, yeah, they, just, just they gotta do say, that, don't they? No, thank yeah. you, Duterte. Yeah, but, uh, not about but, it. But their vaccination strategy I thought was pretty
0: yeah. cool. Yeah. You can take win some, lose some, I guess.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. Yeah, it's, well, it's
0: thank you so much, man, for your time and My all pleasure. the insight for and wisdom. Yeah, of course. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, yeah. The URLs. I forgot to play the URLs. So it's illgates.com. Gets you you mean. You can get a bunch of free music and stuff if you go there. Uh, Then uh, producerdojo.com is the training crew and record label and everything. And then the weeklydownload.com is where I teach my classes, and they are very affordable for five bucks a week. That's going to be in the description for everybody,
0: too so yeah yeah. i'm surprised you're at over 200 weeks of the weekly download i was there when it was like week 52 i'm like he can't keep this up it's so much content
1: it's crazy (laughs) coming up with a new class every single week but
0: Do you have, like, a team that helps you? How do you manage that? Yeah, man, just me, just Just handling handling shit. I mean, there's a lot to
1: learn about music. It took me 20 years to learn all this shit.
0: That's true. That's true. Awesome. Well, thanks for everything that you do, man. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Lots of love. Stay vital. Stay 21st century. We're doing it.
0: Not going back.
1: All right, peace out.
0: All right, friends, that was the episode. Thank you so much for listening all the way through till the end. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed that one. That one was uh, pretty special for me. So if you want to stay in touch with Ill Gates and his platform, head on over to producerdojo.com. They have tons of amazing music, a lot of really new up-and-coming producers that are churning out some quality fire. Also, check out illgates.com. You can like them on uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Facebook. i mean he's on all the socials any streaming platform you can listen to his tunes um yeah that was the episode uh, a little bit about next week we have or sorry two weeks out we have uh, someone that uh, has greatly inspired me on the path Her name is irene rockwell and she's a tantric buddhist teacher who specializes in the five wisdom energies so two weeks we're gonna be learning how to read energy we're gonna be learning how to categorize it and how to best flow with it how to use energy as a means to get out of stuck perspective. Um, I, I read through her book, uh, which is uh, The Five Wisdom Energies, and it it, it literally, literally changed my life. So it was a huge, huge um, honor for me to be able to host her. So check, out, check that out in two weeks. I'm, I'm telling you, um, the guests that we have coming are really good, really, really good. So, yeah. This week, Il Gates. I hope y'all really enjoyed it. If you want to support the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, subscribe on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, give us a thumbs up. You know the deal. You're on the you're on the internet in the 21st century. You know all the all the things. Head on over to the website. We got the Patreon if you want to support directly. It really, 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 really helps. So yeah, that's the show, guys. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you in two weeks with Irene Rockwell.